Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan, founder of NapkinNotesDad.com and author of the book Napkin Notes. I've been writing notes for my daughter Emma since she was in kindergarten and sticking them in her lunch every school day. I also have been diagnosed with cancer five times since 2011. And I'm Dara Kurtz, author of Crush Cancer and creator of CrazyPerfectLife.com. I'm a wife, a mom, and a cancer thriver. Welcome back to the show. Garth, today's topic is mixing while under the influence. That sounds really almost risque for cancer patients. I know. I love it. We're kind of like making cancer sexy, right? Uh, I'm not sure about that. (laughs) (laughs) Sexy is not the word I would probably use to describe today's topic. Um, But, you know, the reason why Dara and I are talking about this today is that um, there are, when you go through treatment, there are a lot of side effects that you can experience. But there's also the long-term impact things that come about because of the side effects. So not necessarily the nausea, not necessarily the hair falling out, but the things that kind of happen after that or because of that. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here and Dara can see me because we do this over Skype. I have the um, warnings and oh, side effects my of my drug. It is literally small print and it's um, 22 inches by 24 inches, double-sided. Okay. Answer this honestly. Have you read that? I, like, seriously, have you read that? Yeah, so honestly, oh I, my gosh. I absolutely have read it. There's little charts and graphs that I've studied. Um, and I actually review this about once a year just because I want to make sure that I'm staying on top of it and I'm not forgetting something important. But, you know, as, as you go through this, it lists all of these side effects. And the side effects are typical what you'd expect for somebody going through some type of chemo or radiation fatigue, nausea, diarrhea, all of those things. And I will say I have hit 15 out of the top 15. I'm like bingo all over. You're you're an overachiever. I am. But so, you know, what? I've always said that one of the biggest side effects that I was concerned about was the fact that my treatment turns people's hair white. it It doesn't fall out. But I obsessed over that when when I was learning that I was going to take this treatment and I don't know why I obsessed. I I was 43. I had black hair. I I felt young and vibrant and I just felt like white hair was going to make me look old and I wasn't ready to be old yet. And I really should have been focusing on the other side effects, the fatigue, the vomiting, passing out, you know, all of those fun things. And, um, and now I, I really have embraced my white hair um, I, I have my avatar has white hair. If you play Xbox against me, the guy on Xbox has white hair and, and all of these other like secondary side effects have come about because of the primary side effects. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And those are the ones that are not necessarily, they're not necessarily bad. They can kind of be fun if you look at it in a certain point of view. Well, and I think that's kind of what we're trying to show is that, it is all how you look at it because your attitude is such a driving force. And we'll talk a lot about attitude as we progress through our podcast, but having a sense of humor and being able to laugh at yourself 
in the midst of dealing with whatever you're dealing with, I think definitely makes whatever you're facing and dealing with easier to manage. But you know, when you talk about reading your side effects, it's such a personality thing because when I went through chemo four years ago, I remember that I went in and I had to sit down and I met with the nurse and she went over all of the side effects with me and I got laser focused on the side effects and I really regretted that I did that because I think I made it so much harder for myself because all the time I was like, am I feeling this? Is this happening? Oh no, blah, blah, blah. And if I, I did you, did you think, oh, I have a hangnail. I think that's a side effect. I mean, I was just like literally completely consumed with what could happen, what might happen. And I really regretted that I, I think it would have been better for me if I had just kind of said, thanks for the info, giving it to my husband, read this, be aware if I have any of these things, kind of look out for it. But I, it would have made it so I wasn't so laser focused on it because I was really, um, I made it harder for myself than I had sure. to be. Well, and you know, I, I did the same thing as I was going through the list. I kept, it was almost like ordering at a Chinese restaurant. Right? <laughs> I'm like, I'd like this side effect. Oh yeah, I can handle this one. And as I was going down through the list, they also tell you the percentage chance, right? So mm-hmm. this many patients experience this, this many patients experience that. And most of the side effects were less than 50%. And I thought, oh, gosh, you know, I really was kind of thinking of it, of it like a checklist, like, oh, I can definitely handle this, but I don't want to have to deal with this one. And as it turns out, for my particular treatment, anecdotally, of course, there's no good data for it, but yeah. anecdotally, patients who experience more side effects have a better response rate. So, you know, I didn't know this at the time, but I actually have a really good response rate. Um and I've had almost all of the side effects, but you know, I, I want to talk about one of the side effects that I experienced. Fortunately, I'm not experiencing it now. And it, I learned to have some fun with it and I, please bear with me. Cause I know that you're going to think, wait, how can you have fun with vomiting? Mm. <laughs> and, so, and so I, in the beginning of my treatment, I really didn't throw up that much. But as I kept taking treatment, I would throw up more and more and not just once a week or once every two weeks, but once a day, sometimes multiple times a day. And I was two and a half or or so years into treatment and I was getting sick all the time. I, you know, I I remember you always remember the first time you throw up in public. Mm. I was at work and fortunately I was, I was close enough to a trash can and then I just kind of walked up to the front desk person. I said, I really need to know where the trash bins are outside because I'd like to clean up after myself. <laughs> and I mean, it, it, that first time was just so awful. And I, I really felt, gosh, I need to start working from home because I don't want to have to embarrass myself every day at work. Oh, my gosh. How, however, you know, there was one time that we were at a local amusement park and I had just gotten off a really big roller coaster. And I thought, well, if I'm going to throw up now this would be the time. Right. And of course I did. And, and then people and, just thought that was from the ride. Probably. Oh, absolutely. They did. Yeah. And you know, it, it's, it's, it's almost like having a little kid who has a stomach bug, right? You, you this, that kid is just, they're going to throw up no matter where they are. I think you're really, that says a lot about you that you would go on 
through your day and not let it get to you though. Because there are a lot of people that would feel like I'm going to get sick or what if I get sick or what if I don't feel good? So I'm just going to stay home. So I think that actually says a lot about you. Well, and I, I think in the beginning, I absolutely felt that I didn't necessarily do it. Right. But I I absolutely was embarrassed. And I it, it's a very draining experience. And I, I just really felt, I guess, awkward. Right. Socially awkward, I will say, because I decided to embrace it. Hmm. Uh, I I know everybody's listening. They're thinking, wait a minute. what? Uh, we're listening to this podcast and there's this weird dude talking about embracing vomiting. Well, so I started hitting the gym and I was going to the gym a lot. Um, so much so that Dara was telling me that I was going to the gym too much. Right. Do you remember that? Yes, because you were. You were going like twice a day. I, I wasn't. I was thinking about twice a day and you were telling me no. Doing it. Well, so I I was working out with a trainer and I was really nauseated back then, but I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I felt like if I went to the gym, I could build up some strength and stamina and better navigate through my day. Well, wouldn't you know, I'm working out with my trainer in the middle of the gym and I look at Tim and I have this look on my face and I get pale and clammy and I literally have seconds to find mm. a trash can. I, I quickly find a trash can. I throw up. He notices what's going on. He grabs some paper towels so I can wipe my face off and, you know, get, get some of the clammy sweat off of my face. I feel like we're going to be grossing out our audience. <laughs> well, you know, cancer, cancer is kind of gross sometimes. Yeah. Um, is- but so, so here's, here's the, the good part of the story. I looked around the gym and I said, you know what, damn it. I'm going to finish my workout. I am not going to let this stop me. And I looked at my trainer and I said, all right, let's go. And I finished the workout. And that was not the first time that I got sick at the gym. And every time afterwards, I thought, you know, I hope that there's somebody else who's like on the treadmill and they witness me doing this and they think, Oh, Garth is a badass. Look at him. He's working out so hard that he's throwing up and then he's finishing his workout. I mean, yes, I definitely think that's what most people were thinking. Like, Oh my gosh, this guy is out of control for, for one pretty intense committed, but, um, that's awesome. So awesome. Well, you told me a really funny story the other day that I think you should share about the sleeping thing. Hence the, the, (laughs) hence the, the topic mixing while under the influence. This is hilarious. So I, one of the things I've, I've never been a good sleeper and my oncologist has recognized the fact that sleep is really important to me and it's important to any patient who's going through treatment. Well, and a lot of times people, they feel like a lot of people get into bed and that's when their mind really starts to go to the dark side and having insomnia or not being able to fall asleep because of anxiety or, I mean, that's very common when someone is going through cancer. Absolutely. And rest is super important. I've never been a good sleeper. And so my doctor tried to find a couple of different sleep aids for me and it took us probably about a year to find a sleep aid that allowed me to sleep through the night and get at least eight hours of sleep. So here I am taking Ambien 
And my doctor has said, Garth, you know, the first time that you take this, you really should take it while you're already in bed. Do not try to get up. Do you, you want to be sleep ready because you don't know how it's going to impact you. Well, guess what? It knocks me out and it hits pretty hard, except I, I haven't necessarily learned and I often take the Ambien when I'm not quite ready for bed and I'm up and about and, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of winding down my day and maybe turning off the lights or I need a snack. And I've learned what happens is I build this momentum and I can't stop. And so here is Garth literally like lurching about the house. And, you know, I, I might all of a sudden look around and say, I need a snack. And I want chocolate pudding or I want, and, and so I'm running about the house trying to, to get this taken care of all well under the influence of Ambien. But and do you know you're under the influence at that time? Like, are you feeling kind of groggy or are you just kind of feeling really happy? I, I am not feeling groggy yet, although I probably should. I think what's happening is that I'm feeling exuberant so much so that it, uh, it's it, like it, an energy boost. Absolutely. And it kind of over, outweighs the, the grogginess. And so a couple of nights ago, I kind of took the Ambien and was getting ready for bed and I just kind of popped up and said, oh, I need a snack. And I went downstairs. I got a snack, got a glass, ice, squeezed limes, made a simple syrup, got tequila, salted the glass and made myself a margarita. All while under this influence of Ambien, and I'm eating my snack and drinking my drink like like there's no tomorrow. Where is Lisa in all of this? At the top. So usually, <laughs> right, she she's really she really does try to to watch out for me. But I think at this point she had probably fallen asleep before I had a chance to go to sleep. And so I'm you know kind of going about my my evening as if I'm in the movie Cocktail. Oh my gosh. Which you probably shouldn't mix alcohol and Ambien. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm pretty sure that you should not. Um, I, I don't believe that that's one of the recommended courses of action. Yeah. I'm sure that's on like, if you looked at the, um, you know, the, 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 the small print or the things that the thing that comes with the medicine, right? Like you just pulled out for your drug. Yeah. Probably so I, 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 I'm, t I, I'm telling my sister about this the other day and I said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of worried about the time where, I pull out my phone and start ordering things on Amazon right under the influence of Ambien. Okay. So I actually know someone, I'm not going to say her name, but I know someone who under the influence of Ambien, she would watch TV and I guess it would be QVC. I think like it'd be late at night. She would come out of her room because she would be hungry. She would want a snack. She would make a mess in the kitchen and she would sit on the couch and she would order whatever was on Q QVC and she would have no recollection of it. The next morning she would wake up and the reason she would know that that happened is because the kitchen would be completely a mess with <laughs> dishes or whatever. And then like two weeks later, she would get a random package in the mail. She would get a random package in the mail of something that she had absolutely no idea that she ordered. I think my sister has set herself up under my um, my Amazon account because she said, hey, you know, by the way, if you're going to sleep, order things, my kids would like a trampoline. Oh, that's that's exactly what we got. 
wait, this person <laughs> ordered a trampoline. This person ordered a trampoline from QVC and we ended up getting it when my kids were younger because she was just like, I don't feel like sending this back. Did I'm not going to deal so with you it. You got to keep it. We actually got a trampoline because of this. Yes. Like not a huge, not a huge one. It was one of those small round ones that you jump on for exercise. A trampoline that you jump on? Oh, I've never heard of that kind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was like a grown-up trampoline, like for exercise. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> it was a trampoline that you jump on. For oh. exercise. So we're kind of busting on Ambien, but we're really not. We're just saying that. Um, these that are, it, there's, that, they're like these funny. Right. They're still side effects. They're secondary side effects. There are things that happen because you're trying to manage the side effects from your treatment. And you know, treatment sucks. Uh, you know, we're not going to pull any punches and we're not going to say that it's it's fantastically easy. It's uh, really, really hard. I mean, it just is. And unless you've been down that road and you've gone through it, it's hard to even understand how hard it is. And for me, I take daily chemo. And so I don't necessarily get a break from the side effects. I, I've been dealing with these most most every day for about four years now. Um, I actually just started my fifth year of continuous treatment. However, it is manageable. And if you learn to laugh, if you learn to understand some dark humor and, and move, embrace it, I guess, um, it it can be bearable and well, it's a choice. I mean, you can either you've made the decision that you're going to take the daily chemo. So you can either be miserable about it or you can actively choose to deal with whatever you have to deal with and then laugh. Absolutely. Happiness is a choice. And it I, is. A choice. Yes. I wake up every day and although I think Lisa, my wife, would argue that I don't necessarily choose to be happy, um, she thinks that I'm a little grumpy sometimes, but that's more of a spousal thing, I think. Um, I, I, if you think about it from one perspective, you know, this guy who's been diagnosed with cancer five times over the course of the last seven years has been taking daily chemo for over four years. You could, in fact, understand why I might choose to be unhappy but I am actively choosing to be happy and embrace life. And you're helping so many other people along the way. Absolutely. Hey, you know, um, Dar, do you know what time it is? It's time for our Thrive Tip. That's right. So uh, every podcast, we're going to do a Thrive Tip, and it's going to be um, a way for us to help impart our experience to you um, and hopefully you can take that and and do something positive with it in your own life. And today's tip is really simple. Remember, a bad day does not equal a bad life. And um, the, one of the reasons why I'm, I'm saying this today is, you know, a bad day, a bad day of side effects doesn't mean that I have a bad life. It just means that I had a bad day. And I might not even have a whole bad day. It might just be a little bit. And that's perspective that... If you travel through your day with that perspective and you remember that, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. It doesn't, you might not even be dealing with cancer or an illness. It could just be you had to wait in a long line at the grocery store and you're grumpy or, you know, you couldn't get your kids to listen or 
it's not hard to come up with something that could sort of set you off. You, you know, Dara, um, I, I know that I, I'm pretty sure I told you this story, but Emma was having, Emma's my daughter, for those of you listening. Um, she was having a particularly bad day recently. And it was the day before her last debate. And she's been on the debate team for her higher, entire high school career. She is co-captain of the debate team this year. And um, she wasn't quite ready. She had been preparing for the debate. Um, she had a ton of homework that week. And we all of a sudden literally had a softball game pop up at like nine o'clock that morning. Right. So she's in school. Everybody gets a text message from the um, athletic director, director, and he said, hey, there's a game tonight. And Emma had planned on using that night to get her debate ready. So she's, she's frustrated. She goes to the coach. She asks the coach if she really has to go to the game. And he said, no, uh, academics come first. I completely understand. Well, that, was, that actually says a lot. Well... <laughs> so later, <laughs> later in the day, he goes to her and he says, you know, Emma, you're the captain. You're a captain on the softball team. You're, you're deserting your team if you don't go to the game and kind of what put happened? a guilt trip on her. Uh, what happened to you? Academics come first. Well, and, and this, this coach is a teacher too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So Emma is really mad and frustrated and she understands that she's going to lose a couple of hours of debate prep. We go to the game. And it's an awful game. We we were ahead, I think, 6-0 and ended up losing because the um, Emma's team just kind of fell apart. And so she's had a really bad day. It's about 7, 7.30 in the evening. And I go into the dugout after the game to help her gather her things and get to the car so we can drive home. And Emma looks at me and she says, Dad, this has been the worst day of my life. <laughs> and... And I've been waiting for this opportunity for about 18 years. <laughs> well, so I look at Emma and again, I have perspective, right? I'm, I'm 30 years older than she is. I, I've had good and bad and ugly. And um, I looked at Emma right in the eye and I said, Emma, it's the worst day of your life so far. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And Again, like, if this is the worst day of your life, you are so lucky. Well, and so, and here's, and then I would have had, and then I would have had to lecture. <laughs> Do you remember what happened later? I don't remember. Okay. So we are, it's seven 30 and we're wrapping up getting in the car. It's about a half an hour car ride home. We stop and grab a quick bite to eat. And Emma at eight o'clock that evening gets the um, a notice that she has received a full scholarship to college. Oh, that's yes. How could I forget that? So yeah, day kind the, of turned into the best day. Right, right. So again, you know, a bad day does not equal a bad life. And, you know, with that, you just never even know. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what goodness can come your way right. in whatever you're dealing with. So the quote for today is, and you're going to like this, a day without laughter is a day wasted. I a day love without it. laughter is a day wasted because you know what? Humor, humor makes everything feel a little bit easier, lighter. It makes, it feels good to laugh. So whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're facing, 
try maybe to not take it so seriously. Try to step back, keep perspective, and let yourself laugh. I think one of the one of the turning points for cancer patients in terms of being a, a successful cancer patient is when you can learn to laugh at your situation. Definitely. Absolutely. Laugh, laugh through it. So we are at the end of our second podcast, and I cannot thank you enough for listening and um, helping us learn and grow as we're going through this. I am Garth Callahan, the Napkin Notes dad. You can learn more about me on napkinnotes.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm at Napkin Notes dad. Can you sense a theme here? And uh, we, again, thank you very much for listening to our podcast. And I'm Dara Kurtz, author of Crush Cancer, available on Amazon and creator of crazyperfectlife.com. And you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. See you next time. Thanks much. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created by Dara Kurtz of Crazy Perfect Life and Garth Callahan, the Napkin Notes Dad, with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.